welcome to our first actual podcast, which is a departure from our typical video mashups, and which is available on YouTube and also our podcast channel at podcasts.com. Head on over to our website if you'd like to subscribe, argumyass.com. But for now, the water buyback scandal, if that's what it's now being called. There are some big questions surrounding the $80 million water buybacks signed off by Barnaby Joyce and awarded to a company where the now Energy Minister for the Coalition, Angus Taylor, once worked, or more specifically, was a director. That the rights were awarded and then paid for with taxpayers' money without a full tender process should raise eyebrows and questions. The Coalition are becoming experienced at this sort of handling of taxpayers' money as it's not that long ago that Malcolm Turnbull and Josh Frydenberg handed over more than $480 million. That's nearly half a billion to the GBRF or Great Barrier Reef Foundation. The issue there is not that the Barrier Reef needs help, but that the money was handed over to an organisation which at the time had less than 10 employees, had board members who largely represented the big end of town, and was done without a tender. It's half a billion dollars nearly without a public tender. It was a captain's call by Turnbull. But I digress. The questions that are not being forcefully asked regarding this latest scandal of the water buybacks, why no tender? And more importantly, the question as to if Angus Taylor or his family benefited, and I guess we mean financially there, from the buyback deal. Labor's Bill Shorten has come out on the matter, uh, but, you know, is this really going to be questioned? Angus Taylor strongly denies any wrongdoing, and I would find it incredible if Angus Taylor or his family or any trusts had benefited directly. If they had, then Angus Taylor would rightly be in jail or heading there, as it would be more likely a conflict of interest. But that's not the point. Often we see these politicians, once their work in Parliament is done, and usually because of family commitments call them to leave the pressures of public service, that's the popular reason they quote these days, they tend to end up in plum jobs for the big end of town. And we can list countless of these examples over the decades, but for example, Queensland Premier Anna Bly, when she left Parliament, uh, went and uh, fronted for the big banks. The health minister some years ago, uh, Michael Woolridge, who after leaving Parliament was embroiled in a $5 million conflict of interest claim and went on to become lead independent director of the ASX list of Australian Pharmaceuticals Pharmaceuticals Industry Limited. Now, that's an ex-health minister who knows the inside workings of Parliament, particularly on health, then becomes a highly paid spruker and lobbyist for Big Pharma. Now, that's some kind of benefit. You can see where this is going. And before you accuse us of cherry-picking a few names, we have a whole podcast coming up which follows the careers of politicians after they leave Parliament. You might want to listen to it to see where these goons end up after playing with taxpayers' funds and making highly influential friends after doling out our money. But back to the central point, and the point is that these ministers often benefit after they leave Parliament. And this fact should guide the questions that journalists ask when these particular scandals arrive. The question to Angus Taylor should have been, will you ever gain benefit from these decisions, Mr Taylor? 
And can you guarantee that you will never benefit in the future? It's not a question as to if he has currently benefited financially from that particular deal. Now, we can hear you saying that politicians should be able to pursue careers after Parliament in which their skills are appropriate. Well, maybe. Maybe that is the question, but let's get real here. Politicians are, and we hate to say this, they're human after all. And make no mistake, the opportunities they are offered after leaving Parliament should be looked at very closely. The number of these public servants who end up consulting and or working for powerful lobbyists is extraordinary. But back to Angus and Bathtub Barnaby. Should there be an inquiry into that $80 million water buyback? Probably. Will there be an inquiry into that $80 million water buyback? Very unlikely. Just as with the GBRF half a billion dollars, it will fade into the past like grey mist over the Murray and Darling rivers, assuming that is that the rivers don't run dry, of which there is a high potential of with the mismanagement. Something that seems to have slipped through the mainstream media filters is that the $80 million of taxpayers' money for these water rights found its way to a company in the Cayman Islands, and which was a company set up by none other than Angus Taylor, the same company that Taylor had been a director of six years prior. That Cayman Island offshore tax haven seemed to be a favourite with Liberals, and let's not forget that ex-Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull was mentioned in the now famous Panama Papers with a lot of his own private investments over there instead of Australia, the very country he was supposed to be leading. Bathtub Barnaby seems surprisingly mute on this matter, which is extraordinary for, Matt, for a man who is known as a media whore and typically seeks out the limelight whenever he can. But anyway, there you have it, tax dodgers. Let's argue another day. And feel free to put your bucket's worth in any time. Head on over to our website at argumyask.com or tweet us or subscribe. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.